Good evening. It's good to have all of you with us tonight. We're glad you're here with us. Our lesson for tonight is on prayer. I seem to remember having another prayer lesson within our study of 1 Thessalonians, and certainly prayer is a, an important part of 2 Thessalonians as well. And, and really most, if not all, the letters that Paul wrote involve prayer in some way. A lot of times Paul will tell people that uh, he is praying for them, or he will ask for prayers on his behalf, and we'll see that a little bit tonight. Uh, but there are different reasons that we pray, and a lot of these come up in, in the epistles, and we're going to talk about a few of those tonight. As we look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 13, and just looking at the first couple of verses, we read this. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which He called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at this letter, something that was supposed to be presented to the congregation, I'm sure that that Paul had the intention of having this read aloud to them. And so this was not just a, a private prayer, this was a public prayer uh, for them, giving thanks for them and things of that nature. And so as we look at this letter, as we look at what is being said in this lesson tonight, uh, we're looking at a public prayer. We're looking at something that was meant for the congregation to be aware of. One of the things that is mentioned very plainly here at the, the very beginning of this, as we get into verse 13, is thanksgiving. Paul makes sure to express his thankfulness in the form of prayer. Hugh sang the song before our lesson tonight, Count Your Blessings. And certainly we are to count our blessings and we are to be thankful for the things that we have been given. And so Paul, he takes the opportunity as we begin this prayer, or this thing about prayer, he takes this opportunity to expect, express his gratefulness on behalf of the brethren. He is thankful for the Thessalonian brethren always. He is thankful because they had been chosen for salvation they were chosen because they believed in the truth. Faith in every biblical example always leads to obedience. As we look at different portions of Scripture, we look at different individuals that are mentioned, we see that faith leads to obedience. And this, that was the case here. He mentions their faith in God, faith in the word, their obedience to it. That was all included in what he is saying here. I think of individuals, especially in the Old Testament that we read of, that evidence faith by doing something. I think of Noah, who was told about a flood that would come. And he believed God, and belief... And what God told him led him to obey what God told him to do. God told him to build an ark. And, and even as crazy as it seems, 
He did it. And he showed that his faith led to obedience. I think of people like Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 where he was told to leave his home and he believed God. He took him at his word and he left, not knowing where he was going. Later on in Genesis 22 when he was told to sacrifice his son, he was willing to do so because his faith led to obedience. I think of individuals in the New Testament as well. As we come into the New Testament, especially one of the ones that, that I think about is the, the author of this letter, the writer, Paul. Paul, in his life, he had persecuted the church. But he had been confronted by God and Ananias came to him eventually after uh, things had settled to, to a degree. Ananias came to him and he told him what he needed to do to be saved. And Paul was willing to do that. He had faith in God. He believed what he had been told and he obeyed the gospel. And so as we look at their belief in the truth as it's mentioned in the latter part of verse 13... I can't help but think of their obedience as well. Because faith always leads to obedience. True faith, anyway. We have people that, that teach of a faith-only doctrine. That wasn't the case. That's not what we find in Scripture. What we find in Scripture is that faith always leads to obedience. And certainly in the case of the Thessalonians, their faith had led them to obedience. They were chosen because their belief led to action and their sanctification. They believed in the truth because they had been presented with the truth, called through the teaching of the gospel by the apostles. You see that mentioned here as well. And through their reaction to the calling of God, they had obtained the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, as it is said in verse 14. As Paul expresses his thankfulness, his gratitude for the brethren, we are reminded to be grateful for all of our blessings as well. Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Paul taught the Philippians to express their thankfulness in prayer. Very similar to the way that he is doing in 2 Thessalonians. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We are encouraged to do the same. When we pray, one of the things that we mention first, oftentimes, at least as I have observed prayers that have been delivered here prayers that have been issued from other places 
One of the first things that we mention is a thankfulness to God for all of our blessings. And we need to be grateful for them. And Paul was grateful for the blessings that he had received and that he had witnessed. And especially as far as the Thessalonian brethren were concerned, he was thankful for them. And he expressed that thankfulness for them. And what a great example that was too because not only did he express his thankfulness to God, but he expressed that thankfulness to the Thessalonians personally as well. I can't tell you how many words of encouragement have been said to me that, that have been a great blessing in my life for whatever reason. But certainly this encouragement was issued before them as well. Now as we get look at verse 13, a question arises as to the wording of this. We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation to sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Does being chosen for salvation, as it is issued in verse 13, mean that others are chosen to be lost. I don't believe that to be the case at all. Another part of this uh, that brings issue as far as translation is the wording of in the beginning, which is the case with most translations. However, the ESV words it a little differently. Verse 13 from the ESV version says, But we all ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. And maybe this is the, the better meaning of it. Um, going back to the Greek from, from what I've read uh, it's just a minor difference between what would be translated as first fruits and what would be translated in the beginning. But as first fruits, it would mean that they were chosen to receive the gospel as first fruits, as maybe the first before others because of their belief. But for whatever reason and in whatever way, they had been chosen by God to receive the gospel. And they had obeyed it. And so that was something that was, was great on their behalf. And it certainly doesn't mean that, that others were chosen to be lost. I don't think we find that anywhere in Scripture. But they were chosen before others, maybe, because of their belief. And then we get into prayers for faithfulness. Not just prayers of thanksgiving, but prayers for faithfulness, the faithfulness of the Thessalonian brethren. In chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. It says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Verse 16, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. 1 
first, as we get into verse 15, we notice that hearing the word does not necessitate the use of the ears. Whether by word or our epistle, no matter how they had received the gospel, they were encouraged to continue in it. It is mentioned here that they should stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught. Oftentimes when we look at scripture, we use the word tradition in a negative light. I think of passages such as Mark 7, verses 5 through 8, when I think of tradition being used in a negative way. Mark chapter 7 and verse 5, Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. The washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. What the Pharisees had done with tradition is they had taken it to a point where they placed tradition before God. They had placed tradition above what God's Word taught. That they had misplaced it and they had done wrong by doing so. And so in Mark chapter 7 verses 5 through 8 we see the tradition is spoken of in a bad way. That they had taken tradition to a point that God did not want it to go. And it led them to transgressing God's Word because of their traditions. However, traditions are not always a bad thing. And as we look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we see that that's exactly the way that it's put here. Stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. The traditions that they were to hold to were not the kind of traditions that would cause them to transgress God's word, as is the case in the passage that we just read. But the traditions that they were to hold to were the ones that would keep them doing the word. That would keep them in line with what God wanted them to do and what he wanted them to be. There are certain traditions that we hold today that, that can be good as long as we don't take them to the point where they lead us to transgress God's Word. Such as our worship format. We, we have a very specific worship format that we follow. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we usually have it very well set. Two songs, a prayer, another song, sermon. On Sunday morning we take the Lord's Supper after the sermon. And we dismiss. And holding to that tradition, there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, it could be very good and very helpful for us to keep the command of God. We are to do things in a way that is decent and in order. And that helps us to keep things decent and in order because we know exactly what's coming next. So, 
holding to a tradition such as that is not such a bad thing, is it? Maybe a, a tradition of reading the Bible at a certain time of day. I prefer to read in the morning. It just helps me to, to do that because I know that if I get in the, the course of the day, a lot of times I'll forget about it. and That's not something I want to do. So, setting a certain time of day aside for the study of God's Word. There's nothing wrong with that. That's tradition that can be very good and very helpful to us uh, to keep that in consistency. And there are other things that, that we have traditionally speaking when we look at, at history and, and how we worship. We traditionally have a, a, an auditorium, a place where we can come to meet. Nothing wrong with that. That helps us. We have certain times that we set aside for worship and for Bible study. And those traditions can be very good. Traditions are not always bad things. And in this case, in what is said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, they were to hold the traditions, the things that they had been taught beforehand by those that had come and taught them the gospel and taught them what they needed to do holding to the things that they had been taught was a very good thing in Paul's list. We also read here in these verses that Paul entrusts them to the care of God who loved them and gave his son to die for them. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 it says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 7 But God who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 1 John 3 and verse 16. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Paul entrusted them to God's care because God had already shown how much He loved His people. And He knew that they could be trusted with Him. We learn love by the example of God in giving His Son and in Christ who gave Himself to die for us. And the love shown to us to save us from our sins. It's a great example for us. Is something that we need to keep in memory. But Paul does entrust them to the care of God who gave His Son to die for them. And finally, we end with the first few verses of chapter 3, prayers for their mission. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered 
from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Verse 5, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Paul asked for prayers on their behalf, mainly that the word would be spread quickly to those in need. This reveals a sense of urgency. It is important for those who are nearing the end of life, especially, without hope to receive it before it's too late. And so there is that urgency to make sure that those who would receive it were able to do so. And the urgency is still needed in the present as well. Uh, we see in the case of many, there's an urgency to spread the gospel. As we stand in what we believe to be the latter days, we know that, that Christ's coming could be any day, could be any time, any moment. And so we have an urgency to spread the gospel to those who will receive it in any way that we can. And certainly we should not delay in doing so. He was confident in the Thessalonians and in God. That they would continue in faithfulness. That they would trust in the Lord as they had been taught. He kept them in prayer. That the Lord would, as he says, direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. When we bring our petitions to God, it is with the understanding that we cannot see how their answering might affect us. We are limited in our view. Whenever we pray, we are limited in our view of the future. We cannot see how our prayers will be answered and sometimes they're not answered in the way that that we think they should be. Sometimes that can be very discouraging. But when we pray we have to have a trust, a trust that God knows everything. We, we have to have a, a trust that He knows how to best meet our needs. We put our full trust in Him knowing that He knows as has been said in, in prayers by a gentleman that, that has now passed in this life but it meant a, a great deal to me. One thing that he always prayed for he always said you know better how to bless than I know how to ask. And that's how we pray. We pray to God knowing that He knows better how to bless us than we know how to ask Him to bless us. And we have to trust that, that God will answer our prayers in one way or another. I don't know of a prayer that has not been answered. Maybe answered with a no, but it's answered in one way or another. And I fully believe that. And as we, we close this portion of Second Thessalonians, 
We understand that Paul sought God's glorification in all things. In the lives of the Thessalonians, we see that God was glorified in how they lived and how they served. Even going back to the first letter, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2-7, through 7, it says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. In verse 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. As God was glorified in them, Paul wished that others may glorify him as well. Thessalonians were a bright spot to him. As he looked at the work that had been done and he looked at the people and how they were serving, he was encouraged. And he continued to encourage them to continue in what they had been taught. But God was glorified in their lives. The way that they worshipped and the way that they served. And we should seek God's glorification in all that we do as well. As we mentioned before, it's not about me. It's about God and how I can best serve Him. Prayer is a very important part of what we read of in Scripture. We read many examples of different prayers that were issued. We, we have examples of, of those such as Jesus who taught people how to pray. And Paul, in essence, as we look at these letters that he writes, in essence, he's teaching them how to pray as well. In showing them how he prays, he's giving a good example for the people. And he keeps them in prayer always. And he shows how important it is in his life. And I hope that prayer is something that is important in all of our lives. I hope it's something that we use on a daily basis. I hope that we pray for one another. I hope that we pray for the work that is being done. And that's exactly what we're taught in these scriptures. I don't know where you stand in your life tonight. I don't know if you're a faithful child of God or, or not. Maybe it is that you need to obey the gospel. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Him. But if you have any need whatsoever, if, if God is not a, an important part of your life, pray that if there's anything that you need, anything that we can help you with, that you would come forward as together we stand and as we sing.